Hey there, it's your host Nandini, and I'm so glad you could join me in building this network of evolving humans. Welcome to Enough Unsaid. Welcome, Dara, to another episode of Enough Unsaid. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so glad you got the chance to be on the show. And the reason I invited you here today is because I feel like as humans, we tend to go through growth and changes. And as life brings on more changes, we have to either embrace them, walk them, whatever it is. But when you live in a Southeast Asian community, there are several layers added on to the growth that you're already doing as a human. Um, so today, I would like to start off this podcast by asking you um, about your experience and without you having to relive any of it, um, tell me where you are currently in your headspace and how that differs from where you were originally. Um, so I think in terms of my journey, there's been a lot of like mountains and valleys. And I think the reason that you asked me to be here is because you've kind of seen those mountains and valleys like throughout my life and even through social media. And right now I can say comfortably that I'm at a space where I feel pretty confident in myself or even if I'm not confident, I'm okay with what I'm doing. Like I've come to terms with the way I dress or the way I look or the way I act without having you know too much outside or external opinions, which is I think really common in the Southeast Asian community. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned um, confidence is, isn't just feeling on top of the world. Sometimes it's just being okay with, with what is. So when, when things come up in your life, and I'd, I'd like you to walk us through the journey as much as you'd like, but when things come up in your life, when do you choose to accept? How do you go about accepting? And, and what kind of obstacles do you come across? I just want to preface with saying like, this isn't how I, I always was, and this isn't how it always was. Like, mm -hmm. I want to just make that clear. I wasn't always very confident and this is not definitely not where I started out, but currently where I'm at, I feel like if you're at a point where you need to make a decision, am I going to be confident about myself or am I going to question myself or question what I'm doing? Go for the confident route because confidence is not like, it's not like a trophy you win. It's not like you run a competition and you're the first in the race and you have a confidence trophy and you have it for life, right? Confidence is a lifestyle. It's something you build upon. It's something that you always need to work towards because if you're not working towards it, you might forget and then fall back into the rabbit hole of what you were doing previously. Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's just the choice of, am I going to be happy with my decision or am I going to make the same decision and then be upset about it and cause myself more grief in the future? And I think most people would choose the easy route, which is, you know, or what I would say is the easy route, which is to be comfortable with your decision because you're going to make it anyways. Mm -hmm. You're going to make it anyways and you're going to make the same decision and it's not changing whether you're going to be confident about it or not. You might as well be happy with what you've chosen. Yeah, and there, there are a few things in life that you don't have a say in. You know, things will happen and life is so much of what happens to you outside of the plans. You might have envisioned something and it's something else happens or there's just so, such little control when it comes to the kind of things that happen in your life. And it really is about how you choose to, to view those experiences and how you move forward with it. Yeah, I think for me, um, my journey, uh, let's do like a quick history lesson on me. <laughs> um, if we flash back to high school around 16, um, I had to get a surgery on my arm. Uh, to replace my collarbone. Mm -hmm. And a couple years after that, I started exhibiting, like having symptoms of 
uh, chronic pain. So neuropathic pain. Mm -hmm. Essentially what it feels like is somebody stabbing your arm 24 seven. Like that's how I would put it. Yeah. Um, Ouch is an understatement. (laughs) Right. And so I think in high school, I was kind of hiding behind my medical issues because it was invisible. Nobody could see it. Mm -hmm. Chronic pain is something that if you're smiling, people think you're okay. And I, that's what I did, right? I smiled through it. I kind of told the four people in my household how I'm feeling. And I had one best friend who knew everything that I was going through. But other than that, like stayed very hush hush about my experience. And I think like even my friends and family will can attest to that is seeing my social media posts. Like I never talked about it ever. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to hide it under the rug because I felt like if I talk about it, it's going to make people around me uncomfortable. And I didn't want to do that, right? I, I, I kind of took that burden on myself. I was like, let's not make other people uncomfortable because that's going to in turn make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I guess you could call it like I was li- living a stigma, essentially, right? I was, let's do everything on my own. Let's not tell anybody what I'm going through and push through. And I think that's something that comes from like my Southeast Asian background and upbringing is whatever happens, you just push through. Yeah. Right. And sometimes when you, you question life, right? You're like, why am I going through all these medical issues? And like you said, that's something you can't control. Mm -hmm. It's something I didn't do it to myself, right? It was something that happened to me. And it's very easy to hide behind your circumstances. It's very easy to feel attacked when somebody questions you, or even if they're asking a general question, it's very easy to feel like, oh my God, they're attacking me. Let's just hide and be like, no, it's just my circumstance. And and the conversation or not be willing to talk about it or even hide that I had chronic pain. I mean, there's so many people in my life who didn't even know I was in pain. I can attest to that. I used to see you at like family events and I would have never guessed. Yeah, nobody would ever guess, right? And I think something that held me back from kind of owning what I was going through was, you know, in the community, when some people start finding out what you're going through, the comments that they make kind of, they get to you, right? Like, some I've had like, you know, an auntie tell me like, oh, um, you're so sensitive. You're so fragile. We should just bubble wrap you everywhere you go. Like when she found out what I was going through, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just a one offhand comment. Like this is kind of comments that have been going through everybody's minds or everybody kind of has given a similar reaction to me, especially in the older generation when I talk about what I'm going through, right? It's either that's the one extreme, you know, they start telling you you're too fragile and putting you down. They tell you, you can't go outside. You shouldn't be doing things. Like I used to be a dancer. They told me to quit, right? They're like, why are you pushing through? Just, just like be miserable now. Like you're a medical patient. Like, why don't you just like stay on bed rest? Right. And that was one extreme. Yeah. And then the other extreme is, oh, nothing's happened to her. You're fine. Like, or even they start playing that game of like, my horse is higher than your horse, Oh, which is competition. I mean, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the competition of who's going through more pain right now? Like who's suffering more? Yeah. Right? And that's that's not a fun game to play. No. Yeah. There's, there's, I feel like, especially in our culture, there's a lot of belittling of other people's experiences to come out higher. It could be a good experience or a bad experience, but I'm sure you must have gotten comments like, oh, I knew somebody who had this and they just took a few Advils and they were fine you go to school, you're in high school, you're doing well academically, you're a dancer, you know, you're doing all these extracurriculars and you're, you're doing everything. You seem normal. Mm -hmm. So are you really in pain? Like, is that something you're actually going through? Or, oh, I have this auntie or I have this cousin who had the same condition and you just take the pill and fix it. 
right? Like you take yeah. this, whatever magical prescription that your doctor prescribes you, yeah. right? And you all of a sudden become quote unquote normal. Yeah. Right. And so this game of whose horse is higher than whose, it, it's really dangerous. It's dangerous to talk about even because when that conversation comes up, you can, you don't come out feeling like a winner, right? Mm -hmm. Like oftentimes I won quote unquote that game of who's going through more pain, right? Because of what I was going through, but you don't walk out feeling like a winner. Nobody ever says, oh, I have the worst circumstance. Let me be happy. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a victory. Yeah. And I think like, that's something that really, for me, fortunately, I was able to take the concept of empathy, like from that argument and from those conversations and be like, I always said, like, anytime someone would tell me, oh, I'm in pain. And then they'd look at me and be like, oh, sorry. Like, I didn't mean to say that. I know you're going through more. I'd be like, no, everybody has a different tolerance for pain. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Like if you're a chronic pain patient, you have a higher tolerance for pain automatically over time. Yeah. You don't get used to it, but it's something that you're normal now. Mm -hmm. Right. So I always like, you know, I always told my friends and stuff who, who knew what I was going through, like you have a different threshold for pain and your indicators for pain in your body are different than mine. So your migraine might be as equally as painful to you as what my chronic pain is to me because you haven't experienced something else, right? Nice. And so I tried to kind of swerve that conversation to make them feel a little bit more comfortable. I think when people make comments like that, it, it's not their fault, but it makes you feel like, let me not share what I'm going through because then other people aren't comfortable talking about what they're going through. Yeah. And, and that's, those are attributes of a person who has grown up in a Southeast Asian community where people pleasing is within your heart and soul. And, you know, we may not consciously do it, but to be in a position where you know that you could potentially make somebody uncomfortable, you would much rather just take it on yourself. And it's not, you know, a little tangent, but it's not just for something like chronic pain, but you hear so many stories of women who are going through horrible marriages, but never say a word, never leave the marriage because they don't want to make their parents uncomfortable. They don't want to make the kids uncomfortable. And so it's just this constant um, evolution of what else can I tolerate? What else can I just hold in? I want to loop back to what you said earlier that before you were able to hide behind your disease because nobody could tell that you were going through this chronic pain. Yeah. Um, did the visibility of your disease push you into accepting it and acknowledging it and maybe coming out from it instead of hiding behind it? Yeah, I mean, once my... I started talking about chronic pain, I think in the middle of university when I made a blog post about it. And even then, you know, it being invisible and then I put myself out there to talk about it. And after that blog post, there was some people like later on, I, a lot of people were very encouraging and they were like, you know what? I relate to your story even though I don't have the same condition or I'm not going through the same thing, right? Because right? everybody feels like they have an invisible injury right? Everybody has it, whether it's self-esteem or, you know, not being able to do something you would like to do or whatever that may be, right? Mm -hmm. And later on, I kind of got confidence from that. And then I started talking more about what I was going through. And one time I was working with somebody at school and I was like, listen, I can't do this because I'm in a lot of pain right now. I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of flipped that around and started questioning if what I was going through was genuine or not. Like, are you really in pain? Because you seem to be functioning for the rest of the time. And then that kind of made me go back into my shell, right? Mm -hmm. Like a turtle who like finally is like, oh, let's see the sun. Oh wait, no, somebody hit my shell. Let's go back in, mm -hmm. right? And 
that was how I was until the end of university is I was kind of in this yo-yo flip-flop of like, do I like myself or do I not like myself? <laughs> talk about myself or am I not going to share my personal experience? Right. And then kind of when this happened, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. Again, something completely that wasn't out of my, con- that was completely out of my control. Mm-hmm. And I started losing my hair and I started losing my eyebrows from like beginning of university but it didn't progress until I was graduated. And then I started losing my hair on my head. And for me, my hair was a huge part of my personality. It's something I struggled with all throughout middle school and high school. I always wanted to straighten it. I finally started accepting it in university. Mm -hmm. I was like, I hate this because the one thing I like about myself is gone, right? Like if somebody asks you, what are your favorite two features about yourself, right? Like everybody has a couple features that they like about themselves. For me, it was my hair and my eyes. And so for that, I, it was like, you took away something I love about myself, right? And not like, I meant you as in like, whatever, some sort of upper <laughs> yeah. superior force or whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> but then I started, okay, what am I going to do? I liked my hair because it hid my other insecurities. It was like a screen. It mm-hmm. hid you know, like my chubby face or it hid my double chin or whatever you may think it hides, right? Or you might think, hey, it looked good with everything. I finally figured out what I like to dress like and how to make it match with everything I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Now it's gone. And I think that really pushed me to not become more confident and actually decrease my confidence in the beginning. Yeah. Right. And that's something a lot of people don't know. They think, okay, your hair is like falling out, like bam, magically you become this like bald Cinderella right like, that's not how it works right you don't wake up yeah I think people think confidence is to like a feat to be achieved in a day like you're not just gonna wake up and be like I love myself it takes work and especially for you when you worked so hard and I don't again I don't know how hard you worked but you know it takes a lot in you to accept the things that you weren't always so comfortable with and then to finally accept it and then go oh it's not there anymore yeah And so that's what I would say that like, that's kind of example of like the mountains and valleys, right? Is, you know, I was kind of at the top of the mountain where I was like, I really love my hair. I know how to, you know, style my curls or be comfortable and confident in them. And then like a plane crash, my hair started falling off. And there's a lot of moments of like grief in that, right? Like it's a, it's not a real living thing, but it's your hair and it's falling out. So you're grieving that, right? But also you're like, I think the Southeast Asian in me is like, how do I fix this? Yes. Right. And that's something that I would like, it's a band-aid, right? You're looking for a band-aid. You're, you have a cut and you're thinking I need to like fix my cut. I'm going to put a band-aid on it and then it's going to be gone and nobody can see it. So I kind of went back into the, my illness is becoming visible. How do I make it back to invisible? And that's kind of the cycle that started. And it was like, okay, I'm going to try, you know, I'm, I'm researching wigs every day. I'm looking into scarves. I bought this hair product called Topic. And it's like a powder that you use to fill in like bald spots. And I did use that. And at the time I was in Europe. So I was on exchange for my last semester in university. And then I started realizing like people don't care. Like I told my roommates about it because, you know, we we're going to be hanging out and, you know, I don't have brows. And, you know, like that's something that's not really stereotypically normal. So I just wanted to explain myself. Right. Right. And I just wanted to be like, hey, this is what I'm going through. I just wanted to let you know, like, don't freak out. It's not like Edward Cullen in your kitchen. It's me. <laughs> right. Like just as a joke. Right. Yeah. I was very yeah. comfortable with what I was saying. And they were like, okay, cool. Next topic. Yeah. And you know, 
that's a really interesting point because I feel like our whole lives we're told to fix ourselves, you know, like be perfect in every single way. And I think the synonym for fixing is broken. You're telling me that something is broken and that's why I need to fix it. Yeah. But I'm not broken. And that's, that's, it's a hidden meaning. And along with that, there's also this, we, I think we as humans just think that the spotlight is on us. Everyone's looking at me. Yeah, everyone's always looking at me. You're the main character of You're your life. You're the main character. And yeah, it's like, let me fix the main character that I am. Let me just, you know, it's broken. And that's yeah. why I need to fix it. And so me coming out and telling my roommates, like, okay, this is what I'm going through. And they're like, okay, next. And then it was like really anticlimactic because there was so much buildup to it. Yeah. Like I thought there was going to be questions and there were none. They were like, okay, cool. Did that make you feel better that it was so anticlimactic? It, it did make me feel better, but in the moment I was like, why don't you care? <laughs> like, why don't you care about me? <laughs> you know, your dramatic self will think, okay, that was, I was expecting it to be, you know, like an explosion and it was nothing. It was like a drop in a puddle, mm-hmm. right? And then I came home from exchange and this is the point where I have now lost half of my hair. It's no longer coverable with a powder. Um, then I, you know, I, Fortunately, the stay at home order happened and then I was home and nobody could see what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And again, I took that as a sign of let's go back to being invisible again. And I later on got hired that summer and I had to start going to work. And I remember the weekend before I started working um, because I had to actually go into the office, I bought a wig. And I went in and I told the guy, I'm like, this is an emergency. I'll pay you whatever you want. Give me a wig that looks like my real hair. Mm-hmm. And he gave me one, a 22 inch long wig and it was beautiful. It was made with real hair and it was everything I could have ever wanted. Yeah. Right. And I put it on and I felt amazing when I put it on. I was like, wow, look, I look like me again. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the other problem is sometimes when your physical attributes start changing, you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't recognize this person. I just want to be comfortable again. I just want to recognize who that, who's looking back at me in the mirror. Yeah. Right. And my first day of work, I wore my wig and I felt horrible about myself. Like I felt like it did the opposite of what I wanted it to do, because, again, it was a Band-Aid. It was me trying to nobody else thought I was wearing a wig. It looked perfectly natural, but I was constantly conscious about it. Like, let's fix it. It's slipping. Let's not let anybody know what you're going through. Right. And trying to like fix the wig and it's slipping off my head or it's really hot. It's in the middle of summer. I have like a five pound wig on my head and under the wig, I have a scarf holding my actual hair, what's left of it, you know, inside yeah. and I have a wig on top of that. So, and it's the summer. So I have, you know, like a hair clip or like whatever, and you're wearing a face mask and my ears are like, how much can I handle? <laughs> <laughs> the logistics don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like the logistics of it just didn't make sense. And I came home that day and I was like crying because I hated it. I hated how I felt all day. I had a migraine because it's a wig and it's squeezing the hell out of your head. Um, And, you know, obviously you don't want it to slip. So I put it on like the tightest setting possible. And I came home and I like ripped it off my head and I was like, I don't want to wear this tomorrow. And I had like a breakdown moment and we moved on from that and we were like, okay, let's see what else we can do. And thankfully my first day of work was on a, was right before the weekend. So I spent the weekend and I bought a headscarf. And I wore the scarf and I started wearing the scarf to work. And I was like, let's just put the wig back. And my parents were kind of confused because I was very adamant about getting a wig. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame them, right? Like 
they were very confused. They were like, why don't you want to wear the wig? We like, you know, we spend a lot of time researching. I don't, I don't get it. Like what happened? And that was like a switch, right? That wasn't something like, I literally woke up the next day and was like, nope, never wearing that ever again. And that was the point I would say is like a turning point in my story is that's when I started becoming more confident being like, whatever I am is what I am. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah. we're just going to stick to what I am because, you know, around that time, I started looking back at pictures of myself from high school. And when you look back at pictures, you're like, oh, wow, I was so pretty. But then you put yourself back in that mindset of when that picture was taken. Mm-hmm. Being back in that mindset didn't feel comfortable to me. I was like, I hate that. I, I never want to feel that ever again in my life. Yeah. And it was a very strong emotion. It was something that I had never experienced. I had never experienced something so strongly. Mm-hmm. I never, ever want to feel like that again. It was like a definite. And then I was like, okay, how do I never feel like that again? I don't want to wear the wig. And I tried, you know, here and there to wear the wig. I think the, after I took it off, I didn't wear it again for the next month. And then I tried it again and I still wasn't feeling it. And it's sitting in a box in my closet (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Like it's sitting in a box in my closet. And I'm like, you know, if I ever feel like I want to wear it again, I know it's there. But I realized I liked the scarves, you know, it was like a fashion statement. You can change the style up. You started wearing it like mm-hmm. a turban or whatever design or style you want to wear it in. And I started getting compliments about it at work. They were like, oh, it looks so pretty or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I was like, what if they think I have cancer? <laughs> right. And that's something like, I feel like every bald woman who has alopecia or even anybody who has alopecia feels like, what if they think it's worse than it actually is and they start judging me or treating me differently? Yeah. Right. And in the beginning, the scarf was like a safeguard because nobody was going to judge it. Everybody either thinks it's a stylistic preference or because it's the summer or because it's religious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it makes you feel really comfortable and it goes with a lot of your outfits and it makes you feel like, okay, I'm doing something creatively. You know, I'm dressing myself up and I'm feeling better about myself. And then mm-hmm. it was like, I made the decision progressively, like I didn't just shave my head off. (laughs) Progressively, as I was losing more and more hair, I started thinking about it. First, I cut it, you know, to shoulder length and my hair was like all the way down my back before. Yeah. I cut it down to my shoulders and then I was like, okay, let's go a little bit shorter. And then I buzzed it and I asked my brother to book an appointment with his barber in the summertime. And I was like, can we shave it off? Mm -hmm. And the barber shaved it off. And that feeling was so freeing. Like I cannot explain it's like a breath of fresh air if you're like drowning in the water and you come up for air. Yeah. That's what it feels like when you're like, okay, I'm finally being me. Whatever I am, like whether I like it or not, this is what it's happening to me. And this is what I'm dealing with. So let's just deal with it in a way that's going to make me feel better about myself. Yeah. It's, it's, I think you feel better because you're accepting your, you're saying your truth. Yeah. You're saying your facts, but this time it's you deciding what facts they are. You know, it's you deciding what I'm going to say about myself. And, and that takes a whole lot of determination to say, you know what, this is it. This is what I'm going to present myself. And, and putting your wig away in your closet is sort of metaphorically similar to, you know, your skeletons in the closet. Yeah. You and know, this is the end of an era of who I used to be. I'm not going to go back to that. And we're going to try something else so that we can get a different result because trying the same things over and over again and going back into that mindset of let me hide, it's just going to give you the same result. Yeah. And what I was doing wasn't working clearly. Mm-hmm. I was feeling horrible about myself and yeah. everybody else thought I was normal. And I was like, no, let's, let's let people see what I want them to see. 
Yeah. And you can't lie to yourself, right? Like the anxiety that you might have felt when you were putting that wig on and that insecurity and that constant um, uh, just distraction of having that wig on your head and being like, is it going to slip? Is it going to slip? That all mounts to anxiety. And that, that anxiety is also because you're lying to yourself. You know, your gut knows this isn't the way to go about it. And it's yeah. like you said, when you, when you took your hair off, your gut was like, yes, yes, I feel good in my core about this. Like you feel very fake. I don't know about other people who wear wigs. Some people feel very empowered. And that's kind of what led me to getting the wig in the first place was seeing, you know, people on Instagram being like, you know, I wore the wig and it made me feel so empowered and I love changing it up and all mm -hmm. this stuff. And that's why I got it. But when I wore it, I didn't feel that way. And I felt guilty about not feeling that way because the wig was expensive and I spent mm -hmm. a long time researching and I felt like it was a waste. Yeah. Like, what's the point? Like, what was the whole point of that whole process if it wasn't going to feel good in the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why did I do all this effort? Yeah. In the middle of lockdown, I like begged this uh, the hairstylist <laughs> to please let me go in and try on the wig, right? I asked him to open up specifically for me to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was in the beginning, you feel like, okay, you feel a little bit of regret because you're like, I hate that it didn't work out for me. But then you're like, okay, it's there. It's there as a safeguard if I ever want to wear it again, right? And currently I'm not at the point where I want to wear it again. But I still left it on the model. Like when you get a wig, there's a model head that you put the wig on to keep it safe. And I still had it on the model head for, I think until like January of this year. So all the way from like July to January, <laughs> I wasn't wearing it, but it was there in my closet. It was on my dresser um, and it was sitting there. And then I was like, you know what? I finally feel like I'm comfortable with my decision. And I waited until I was 100% sure that I wanted to be bald. And this is how I wanted to look like mm -hmm. until I put it away. And however long that takes, I mean, of course, not everybody has a wig and not everybody's bald, but, you know, it could be about that sweater that doesn't fit you anymore, right? Maybe you were a size medium and now you're a size extra large and you're waiting for that sweater and you're leaving it there on your like, you know, on a hook on the back of your door. And you see it every day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's okay to just let it be there. You don't have to put it away right away. But once you get to the point where you're like, okay, I know uh, I don't think I'm going to be at that size again anytime soon. And I feel comfortable with being an extra large or whatever size you are. And then you're like, okay, let me put that away and keep it in a box in case I ever get to that size. Yeah. You know, within reason, within reason, I'm not telling you to like keep like a billion of your clothes from like four years ago, they don't fit. But I'm saying if you need something to feel, make you feel safe or make you feel like, you know what, there's an option if I need one, whatever, whatever your version of a wig is, yeah. you can keep it in visibility or you can keep it around and be like, okay, it's there if I need it. Yeah, because, you know, it's not just a wig. There are emotions attached to that. There are, uh, there's anticipation for you associated with it. There, there's that research that you put in. There's that years of get trying to get comfortable with who you are associated to that wig and that wig ironically was was the thing that finally said no right like I'm not, I'm not going to be this person who hides behind my hair yeah now confidence is obviously something that it takes quite some time it's a like you said it's something that you have to work on yourself every single day what about the bad days how do you cope with those um so I think with the bad days, it's about kind of taking it in stride and sometimes being upset, like allow yourself to be upset on a bad day. You know, 
I'm bald. So all my insecurities are on display 24 mm seven, -hmm. right? Like if I have a pimple, like I can't hide it behind my hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I'm having a bad day. And that's something that I think genuinely happens. Like it happens all the time. Right. And realizing, okay, I can't hide behind anything. Let's just let myself be upset for a day. And then you put a time limit on it. Like yes. whatever it is, you know, if you need to cry it out, watch a sad movie and cry it out. Or, you know, go to your room or if you want to have a conversation, you can have a conversation. Every person has a different way of coping with your bad day, right? Mm -hmm. But something I think is important is don't let that bad day become a bad week or a bad month or a bad year, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's hard not to. I mean, you can easily fall into the trap of like, okay, I'm feeling horrible. And sometimes it projects onto other people in your life. It spills over, you know, like, I live with my parents. I live with my brother. Sometimes it spills over to their lives as well when I'm having a bad day. And as Southeast Asians, we're always running to fix it. Yeah. Let's fix it. She's feeling bad, make her happy. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something everybody, I think every family can relate to, but now it's about setting those healthy boundaries, even with yourself, forget mm -hmm. about other people, but being like, okay, I'm having a bad day. It's 6am right now. I woke up and I just don't feel good. Yeah. And I'm going to let myself be upset and miserable yeah. until tomorrow and being like, I'm going to do everything that I do when I'm miserable. I'm going to stay in bed all day. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to mope around. And that's mm -hmm. what I did. Right. And sometimes that's what you need, yeah. but just be careful. You just got to be careful. And for me, I noticed that sometimes I would let my bad day spill over and, you know, it just becomes worse and worse and worse. It's okay. Let's vent it all out. Or, you know, if you're the kind of person that journals, you can journal it. If you're the kind of person that just needs to say it out loud, like sit in your room and talk to yourself. Yeah. Like, why am I feeling bad right now? And sometimes it's not about why sometimes it's, I'm just feeling bad. Let's move on. Yeah. It, there's not, there's not always, you know, the necessity to put a name or a reason on why you're feeling bad. And that's something I think doesn't come easy. No. Because trying to find the reason especially if you have an analytical mindset you're like how do I fix this and what's the cause and what's the effect and how can I break that like the bond between the cause and the effect <laughs> right? how, do I, how do I if I can label it then I can fix it if I don't know it then it's just up in sight and I think you know sometimes making your thoughts come to life you know if journaling helps or talking out loud helps legitimize it you know, yeah. put, it out, put pen to paper and say, what feelings am I actually feeling? Is it just in my head? Um, and, and you may not be able to label why you're feeling that way or what kind of caused it. And like you said, sometimes you don't need to label the why. You just need to see it for what it is. Yeah. And I think the journaling thing, I tried doing that. And for me, it just didn't work, right? I, I hated putting pen to paper and writing it out. I mean, mm -hmm. it was something that it made me scared because I was like, I'm going to read it again. And I'm going to like keep reading it. Mm -hmm. And so if you are mentally journaling, you could do that too. And that's something I learned how to do was let's just sit down in a quiet spot. Let's mentally journal. So literally I'm going to say everything out loud, or I'm going to say it in my head of how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a horrible day. I don't know why yada, yada, you know, the way you would normally journal, but just, you know, say it in your head, mm -hmm. at least that way it's coming out. Exactly. You're expressing how you're feeling. Yeah. And then you can kind of move on from that or learn from that. If you need to learn from it, then you can learn from it. And there's not always pressure to learn from it. Sometimes yeah. it's, you're having a bad day, right? It could be a number of things. And just yeah. learning how to be like, okay, I had that bad day. And then the next day, let me, let me make that better. Yeah. Instead of waiting for that happy day to come around, let's create that happy day. 
or moment, right? It doesn't have to be a whole day. If I'm having a whole sad day, maybe at the end of the day, I want to sit outside in my backyard and just like soak in the sun if it's sunny. Mm -hmm. I want to go on that one walk a day that keeps me sane. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like with COVID, a lot of people can relate to that as just not feeling good about the day and you don't know why because you're stuck in the house, but you're not, you can't really put a label to how you're feeling or why you're feeling. And sometimes you just got to find that little bit of happiness, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. For me, it could be doing something creative. I love like painting and trying to like make a choreography on my own or whatever that may be. I enjoy being creative. So that's what I like to do when I want to create that moment of happiness is I'm having a bad day. Let's make dinner or let's paint on my wall. And I started painting on my wall, right? That's amazing. No, and, and you're right. Like there's a fine line between acceptance and complacency. There's a fine line between saying I'm having a bad day and I'm not going to try and rush through it. I'm not going to try and push myself to a limit and just get things done. If I can't, then I just can't today. Um, but then, you know, if you're getting complacent in that, then there's a bigger, bigger conversation to be had. And I think, you know, as, as humans, we all acknowledge the fact that change is the only constant. Yeah. Yet a lot of us are constantly <laughs> struggling to accept that fact. I mean, I'm a creature of habit. Like yeah. I fully own up and say that I love, yeah. you know, a ritual or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, even if it's something symbolic like spring cleaning, I need to have a change. Yes. It might not be my whole house could be clean, right? <laughs> I'm home all day and I have nothing else to do, but, you know, I might need a change. And so let's, figure a way to manufacture that change instead of letting it letting me stumble upon it mm-hmm. right you have to sometimes manufacture your own happiness and it's not like how you read about it in the novels or the movies it's not like you have a crappy day and you walk into a cafe and you meet somebody and you <laughs> right like that's not how life works sometimes yeah right I mean of course it happens you know there are random things that happen but sometimes you just got to create it and you got to be like okay I mean For example, I'm painting my wall. I call it my mental health wall. Whenever I feel bad, I take, you know, I I take my paint and I start painting it and I'm not done. I haven't set a limit on when I have to finish. I just paint and it could be for five minutes. It could be for 20 minutes. And then once I'm done with it and then I move on and I do other things and I try to be productive. You know, taking a day, first of all, being able to have the insight to say, I need, I need a second takes a lot, but Mm -hmm. I want to ask you you know, given the fact that you have something that's on display, um, if I have, for example, diabetes, the world isn't going to know about it because it's not on display. And I feel like sometimes when things are on display, especially in in the world that we live in, um, there's this pressure to be empowering. There's Mm -hmm. this pressure to be extraordinary. Like if, for example, in your case, if you don't have hair, oh, you have to live up to it. Embrace it. Open the windows. Just <laughs> show the world that like I that am turning like woman overnight, right? Yeah. Like everyone just expects that. Yeah. Right? Or they expect for you to crawl back into your turtle shell and hide away for the rest of your life, right? Two extremes again, mm-hmm. right? And you got to be somewhere in the middle and find out where on that spectrum that you want to be, you know? And I think that time is a huge factor in that. Yes. Like, even if you talk to me, like, of course, right now I'm pretty confident in myself, but I think if you talk to me again in a year, I'll be even more confident, right? Because it's something that I'm used to now. It's part of my routine. Like, you know, maybe I shave every weekend to like, you know, keep things up to date or whatnot. 
mm-hmm. right? And that's a ritual. And then you start enjoying that ritual and then something else will change and that throws things off balance again, right? Yeah. So it's about that. It's just about time and letting yourself have the time. And as a Southeast Asian, you feel the pressure to just accept it and like run wild. In the- <laughs> <laughs> and that's not always going to happen, right? I mean, whether or not you have hair or you're not, you don't have hair, or you have a medical condition, or even if you don't, right? It's not about letting yourself embrace everything about yourself. Sometimes there are horrible things that are happening to you and you yeah. don't embrace them. And the question is, right, that you're going to ask yourself is why? Why is this happening to me? Right? As soon as you get comfortable with something, things are going to change again and you're going to ask yourself, why am I ha- like, why am I going through this? Yeah. And then you're going to get comfortable with that and then something new is going to happen. Right? And so just being able to let yourself absorb and I think the pandemic has helped everybody kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah. We're always in a rush to like, oh, I got to go to X person's house and I got to go to do this and I got to go do that. Yeah. Right. And you're always on a schedule, like the, sh- the, like, it's like the trains never, never run late. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. Like you're just going from one station to the next, to the next, to the next, without any time in between to sort of absorb what's going on around you and appreciate it. And now, especially with the pandemic, there aren't celebrations happening. I didn't get a graduation. You didn't get a graduation, you know, like no one's going to celebrate you. And that's something that it had, the COVID has made very, very apparent that there won't always be an occasion for people to celebrate you. It's really up to you for me, you know, becoming bald and being like, okay, this is visible now. Mm-hmm. It's about celebrating. that. It's about, okay, you know, I'm bald now. What can I do? Like I can do so many things that I couldn't do before, you know, with my outfits or, you know, whatever that may be, right? I can change up, you know, my makeup, whatever, how I'm looking, or, you know, I, maybe I want to accept that as my personality. Like now before curly hair was my, like a part of me. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think you, a lot of people know that people on social media who have curly hair kind of take it as a big part of their, who they are, mm-hmm. you know, like you take pride in that dedication that it takes to take care of curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> How to wash and style and take care of and do all of that becomes a part of you and so now becoming bald is a part of me and that's something that's not let's take dedication to wash my hair and style it it's Mm -hmm. now let's just do whatever we want to do right like let's just be quick we want to be quick and live our lives instead of focusing on my hair and how I look all the time it's about yes I want to look nice and I want to do that for myself but let's just move on and do things that I enjoy Mm -hmm. so I mean I also don't have eyebrows so sometimes I don't put my eyebrows on in the morning like as funny as that sounds I just, <laughs> like I just want to be me like I go to the grocery store and I don't want to put my brows on before doing that because that's like a 10 minute process yeah and you even do. though I'm fast at it I don't want to do it so I'm just going to go to the grocery store mm-hmm. and whoever wants to say anything can say whatever they want right and people are going to stare and you got to get comfortable with that because that's a part of the process of being comfortable and confident with yourself is being like somebody else can be uncomfortable let's allow them to be uncomfortable for a second because and, yeah it's not wrong for them to be uncomfortable right mm-hmm. we can't blame them yeah I mean not every day you see a bald lady in the grocery <laughs> right like <laughs> with no brows like I mean it's not every day that that happens yeah. and it's okay for somebody to be surprised about it yeah because everyone has different conditionings you know like everyone has different thresholds of what they are comfortable with and what they aren't comfortable with some people live a very sheltered life and that's okay you know yeah. that's, that's just how it is you you can't really do anything about that 
And sometimes it's not just about living a sheltered life or not. Like you could be exposed to a lot of things, right? Like seeing things on social media or in like on TV or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you see it in real life, it's like, wow, that's a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. And I go grocery shopping and I go grocery shopping in like, you know, a fancy area where they're everybody's like all dressed up in heels and stuff. I know which area you're talking about. Right? Like, there's certain areas and I have done that. And I walked into the grocery store bald in my sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And people were like, does this lady not live here? Like, <laughs> I hear you. But it's also, you're confused about them as much as they're confused about you sometimes. You're allowed to be surprised too. Like just because I'm bald doesn't mean I don't get shocked when I see somebody who doesn't look like me. Right? Like that doesn't automatically make me like the queen of morality. <laughs> Like the queen of like, no, I, I'm not going to have any reaction when I see different things. I still have a reaction, but because I've gone through the same thing, you let yourself have the reaction as long as it's not disrespectful to the other yes. person, right? Like you're not going to be like staring at them for five minutes, but if you need to like take a look <laughs> back, that's fine. Yeah. It's just something you, that's out of your norm. It yeah. could be their norm, but it's out of yours. Yeah. And this, this doesn't mean that you blunt yourself. You don't, and that's, I'm really glad you brought up that point where a lot of times people feel like, if you have a, a illness or if you have something that's out of the ordinary, suddenly you have to be this moral mother Mary, <laughs> text me, I accept everyone, I love everyone. And it's, yeah. it's not, you're still a human. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're still gonna have reactions. You're still gonna have explosions. You're, there are gonna be days when you're not thankful. There are gonna be days when you're gonna be like, damn, I don't like, I can't find a scarf to put on my head. Like you will go through normal human experiences. And, you know, I, I think that the world that we live in is hyper-focused on two poles. It's either you are a horrible person and, you know, you're living the riches of the life and you don't care about what else, or you just care. Or you're a saint. Or you're a saint. And that's not the case, you know, just because you go through things in life. I think more than anything, as long as you're adapting perspectives and you're uh, taking that in and you're saying, Oh, you have pink hair. That's no, that's out of the norm. Yeah, that is out of the norm for me. Like, somebody at school and they have like pink and blue hair. You're gonna take a look back. Yep. Like you're gonna do a double take. You're gonna be like, yeah. what? Like, does that lady actually has pink have pink hair? And it's not a judgment. It's not a judgy question. It's not a judgment you're passing on someone. It's I'm confused because that's different. But okay, cool. Cool. It's different, and then you get to learn something new. Exactly. Exactly. And you have a finite number of things you can care about in life, right? You can't hyper-focus and hyper-worry about everything else that's out there. You mm. know, why, why spend that kind of time caring about what people will say? Because people will say things no matter what. You could be the ripest, most sweetest peach in the whole wide world. And, and someone's not going to like it. Somebody's not going to like peaches. Exactly. So you, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, to that end, of course, I think it takes a remarkable amount of determination on your end. But I want to ask you, how how does your family uh, come into play? And there's your immediate family. How did they support you? How does extended family work around you? And and then how do you feel about, you know, the perceptions that come towards you? I mean, I was really concerned with how everybody who knew me, like, was going to think, right? And I remember messaging one of my friends because, you know, we send each other Snapchat pictures all the time. And I was like, hey, just wanted to FYI, like, I don't have hair anymore. <laughs> because I was trying to prevent his reaction. Yeah. And I realized that in that moment, that wasn't what I should have been doing. Right? Like, people are going to have their reaction and you can't control their reaction. So let's not try. Yeah, right? You can't blunt somebody's reaction. 
yeah, you can't, you can't curb them or you can't blame them for the reaction they have when you just drop a bomb on them like that, yeah. right? Like it's something that's drastically different from what I looked from before. Mm-hmm. So I understand when people get shocked, right? And so I think you, can, you can't control their reaction, but you can control how you tell them. And I was so scared of telling my family and everybody's been extremely supportive. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, rub the bald head for good luck. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's been so supportive. They call me, I mean, all my cousins call me and they'll message me just to check in on me randomly, right? Like, you know, and it's at the end of the month, they might be like, oh, I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. How are you feeling? Especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they reinforce that idea of whatever you look like, we're still going to love you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. And not just we still love you, but like it's not like I love you in spite of those things. Yeah. I love you because of those things. And that that, I think having that message being sent towards me from external, like extended family, from people around me, I would say like most of the people I know have been really supportive and I'm really fortunate because of that. But I do know that not every family is the same and not every, you know, community sector is the same. Mm-hmm. So I would say external people in the community have definitely questioned it and been like, what? Like, why? <laughs> and the first response is, oh, you know, you can buy a wake for that. And I was like, I did that. Like been there, done that. Don't want to go back. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it's about, okay, yeah, whatever. Because I can take solace in the fact that my close extended family, like my cousins and stuff like that are all very supportive. I mean, I, I remember my first FaceTime conversation and my cousin's son, so my nephew was talking to me. And he was asking me why I'm bald. And my cousin was like, wait, don't ask that. <laughs> she was like, no, like she, she was like cover up whatever that happened. Right. And I was like, no, no, it's fine for him to ask me that. And I felt really happy in explaining it. And he was like, oh, that's really cool. And he was like, I want to shave my head too. <laughs> I love that. Right? Like it's cool. Or like, you know, my other nephew who's two years old, who can't talk um, was, you know, like he was touching my head and he was like, oh, this is interesting. He was kind of like exploring, like she looks a little bit different than last time, but he still recognized that it was me. And I think like there's some symbolism in there. Whatever you want to say, there was a lot of symbolism in that. And that brought a lot of confidence as well, right? It's like this baby who doesn't know anything really is exploring the world and thinks everything is cool and new. You know, is looking at my head and then looking back at my face and just like validating that it's me. Yeah. You know, like he knows it's me and he's comfortable playing with me, but he just kind of was like, let's explore what this new person looks like. Like, what's the new, what are the changes that have been made? And kind of went around and did a 360 around me. Possible, Right. And it was adorable. And that was something that I think is extremely, like, extremely symbolic because it was kind of what all my family members have been like right they're all like okay let's explore what this new Dara looks like yeah and let's see what she looks like and then let's just support her regardless and that's beautiful right like you're you're still you and the people yeah. you still love you and I I really like this quote and I think it applies really well here those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter yeah and it's about creating those boundaries with the people who don't matter as well. It's not like I don't care about you because you think I'm weird for being bald. (laughs) Like that's not how it works, right? Like I could still care about somebody even though there might be a little bit judgy or whatnot, right? And it's just about creating that boundary being like, if they asking me about, you know, why I'm bald, it might just be, oh, it's a medical condition and then move on. Mm -hmm. Let's not linger on that moment. Let's not try to explain ourselves, right? But nobody really checks in on you as a person, right? And I found like that happened a lot before I was bald 
but sometimes people don't really check in on how you're doing they just want to know like did you pass school are you getting a job do you have an internship okay let's move on yeah. right and this time the question was are you okay and that really signaled to me like this is kind of like an invisible filter for the people I actually want to know and people that I think actually care about me if that's a question or one of the first questions then I want to keep you in my life and that's beautiful right and I think uh, there's a lot of conversation around forming boundaries and whatnot but it it's not that you sit down with a list and you write down things that this is yes and this is a no like a hit list right it's not like you know if they don't ask me this or if they don't do this then they're automatically out of my life of course you know like of course a lot of people you know you lose relationships over time you know you might have a falling out with cousins or friends or whatnot right but you know that certain people care about you and you reciprocate that feeling right if someone cares about you and is checking in on you then you reciprocate that because it makes you feel good and you want to make other people feel the way like they make you feel right somebody yeah. that makes me feel positive and happy about myself I'm going to remember that for the next time that they need a shoulder to cry on because I would like to be that helping hand in that circumstance exactly exactly and it's not you know it's not like I'm doing this for you so you can owe me back like it's, no, it's not obligatory yeah it's not a transactional thing but I think you know when when you approach people you can sort of tell where people's heart is when they're talking to you well and I want to ask you not just for you but with your family did you have to console them did you ever catch them worrying about you in any sort of sense yeah, I mean, I would talk about my parents specifically, like they're like, they worry about it, right? They worry about my mental health. They worry about how I'm feeling. They also worry about how other people might be passing judgment on me. Right. And I think that's normal as any parent. Like I had an interview and my dad was like, do you want to put your wig on for that? And it wasn't like an attack. Yeah. And I didn't take it as an attack either. I was like, okay, he's asking me if I want to wear the wig and I'm just going to tell him no. And I told him no. And he was like, are you sure about it? just wanted to make sure. And I think I had a conversation with him later on about it was, why'd you ask me that question? And he was like, I don't want people to judge you, right? Again, I'm bald. It's sad to say, but people are going to have stereotypes about what you look like. And so it's coming from a place of good heart, but I think as long as you're able to not take it as an attack and just be like, okay, I get that you're concerned about this. And I've had to console, like my brother wanted to be bald with me. Like he wanted to get like go completely bald and he was like I'll do it in solidarity <laughs> right and I was like no like I don't need you to do that just because I'm going through something doesn't mean everybody collectively has to go through that right mm -hmm. and I think with my family like they've been there for me through another a previous medical you know illness with, with a chronic pain mm -hmm. and being going through that with me every step of the way and sometimes taking on the burden for themselves and you kind of see how it spills over onto people you love like onto their lives and you know like it's not a burden but sometimes you feel like it is mm -hmm. and so I think even if it's just for yourself and you don't like I didn't want him to do it also because I didn't want him to do it but for me as well I don't want to look at that every day right like I feel like you're I'm already bald I'm looking at myself in the mirror I'm at a point where like I'm kind of getting comfortable with it but it's still new yeah and being like okay I don't want to see that in my reflection every time I look at you yeah I don't, like, want to be what's the reminder? Yeah, I don't want to be the reason that you had to make a certain choice that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And if you have, if he would have done it otherwise, then of course go for it. But I know that he wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment, mm -hmm. but something like, okay, that sometimes you need to realize like, this is my battle and they're my army, but like, I'm the one going into battle, right? They don't all have to follow me. Yeah.
know, they can be there supporting me on the sidelines. And that happens a lot. Like, I mean, we're talking about confidence, but like, I want to talk about a little bit of lack of confidence for a second here, but you know, I bought a new sweater recently, like I, I would say a couple months ago and it's a backless sweater. It's something like a style that I used to wear a lot previously when I had long hair um, because I felt like it was very flattering on me and I wore it and I loved it at the front. And then I turned around and I saw the back of my head. And like, you don't really think about the back of your head. You know, it's there, but like, you don't know what it looks like, right? You have hair. So like, I mean, even if you looked at the back of your head, you don't know what you look like from the, from behind. And when you look at yourself in the mirror and you actually see what you look like from behind, it could be a shock. Right. And I came down, I started crying and I was like, I look so different. And it wasn't me being so upset about me being bald. That wasn't what it was. It was like, why do I look so different? Mm -hmm. Right. And then we had to be like, we had to go through that process of like, as a family, like, okay, let's talk about what all our insecurities are. <laughs> right. So it's just yeah. there for you in other ways. Yeah. And being able to understand that I feel like it's a sign of like, I don't know, maturity or growth. Because mm -hmm you're not always going to be able to see it from that perspective. And you're not always going to be like that. Sometimes it's like, I'm suffering. I want you to suffer like straight, straight up. Right. Like sometimes if I'm having a bad day and you know, subconsciously you kind of let it out on your friends or your family or whoever you live with. And then they are also having a bad day, but then in the back of your mind, you know, your primal instinct is like, yay, because <laughs> they are having a bad day and I'm having a bad day. So it's like balanced. And it takes a lot of growth to be able to come out of that and be like, okay, let's not all suffer together. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I suffer doesn't mean you have to. If there's any way I can help you from preventing that, then let's do that. Yeah. And hurt hurt people hurt people. Like, yeah. And and I think in that case, it can be very damaging to your conscience later on as well. Because, you know, even though your primal instinct is, if I'm in pain, why are you smiling? And that comes with this expectation of like, aren't you supposed to be my army? Aren't you supposed to be my like fighter? Like what, what's wrong with you? How can you live in peace while I'm here like this? But you know, when, when the dust has settled and the emotions have calmed down, you're gonna put that on your conscience and then you can't go back in time and fix it. So I think it does, it takes a lot of growth. And sometimes, it, like you said, knowing that this is your battle, your parents are never gonna see it from, never gonna be in your shoes. Yeah, you're never going to be in their shoes. That's what you really have to embrace, that everybody's entitled to their own perspectives and their own battles and their own uh, need to get involved. And if they don't want to get involved, then they don't. But, it, you know, I don't necessarily have to inflict that pain onto them just because I'm going through it. And sometimes it's they're going through pain and I'm not right. Like about my situation, though, right, they'll be in pain about what I'm going through, but I'm not in pain about what I'm going through. Right. I feel like that's a little bit confusing. But as a mother, I can't imagine what my mom goes through. Right. In the beginning, especially when you're watching your child like suffer, essentially. Yeah. Right. And you can't do anything to help them. And I can't imagine what that helpless feeling feels like. Right. We can only put a label on it, mm -hmm. but we can't really understand what that emotion is and let them deal with it in whatever they way that they, they want to deal with it. Like my mom puts oil on my scalp like every day. She like oils me like I'm like, I don't know, like a baby, right? And that's something, that's something that she does to cope with it, right? Like she has a hope that my hair is going to come back, right? And it may come back and it might not come back, but it's something that helps her and it doesn't harm me in the process. So I'm okay with doing it. And that's also, I think, a boundary that you might have set as well. 
Yeah. It's like, don't nag me about it, but I'm willing to, you know, sit in front of you as you put oil in my head. (laughs) Like I'm I'm willing to do that. Right. Not everybody has the same boundary, right? Like with my dad, we have a lot of conversations about the wig because he sometimes feels like confused about why I don't want to wear it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm comfortable talking about it and just being able to understand sometimes it's not about you. It's about them and what Mm -hmm. they're going through. And as a parent, they're going through something completely different or as a sibling, even they're going through something completely different because they think about you all the time. Right. And being able to be there for them as well, without kind of spilling over your emotions onto them. Yeah. Not being, even though you're not sad, I mean, you're sad and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you you're stupid or wrong for being sad. Right. Like, you know, initially, if maybe when you were losing hair and your mom tried to put oil in your hair, you'd be, you might've gotten frustrated. Like I did get frustrated. That's correct. There you go. Like, and you know, so it's like before you go out there accepting people. And I think this is part of our culture where we just try to people please and like, let people have their moments. Like, yes, absolutely. Let people have moments, but make sure that first you're focusing on yourself, you're filling your cup and then getting to a point where you are able to accept it because you want to accept it, not because you're expected to ex- accept it or, or whatever that is. Yeah, like find a boundary. Of course, don't let them go crazy. But sometimes if they want to have a conversation, like they want to talk about my health and they're right to do that. I have mm-hmm. a lot of doctor's appointments sometimes and I need an external perspective. Yeah. But sometimes I don't need to be there for that conversation. Yes. Like, the three of them can talk about it with me not being there because sometimes I, re- I realize I need to step out of that. Mm-hmm. for my mental health and they need to be in it for their mental health so let them converse converse about it let them have their conversation come to a conclusion about you know a certain specialist or a doctor or whatever I'm going through and then one of them can come to me and be like okay this is what we feel mm-hmm. right like kind of like a group project <laughs> right you gotta delegate yeah. right you gotta you can't always be like micromanaging every aspect of every person's life around you right and sometimes even you know even your two best friends might want to talk to each other about what you're going through Absolutely. And there will have to be there because you being there is a hindrance to that conversation. People need to be able to have like unfiltered uh, uh, conversations without you. And it's, you're right. It's like a group project. You do your part. I do my part. And then there are parts that we do together. There are parts that I do with other group members, but you know, it's the accumulation of, of the work that everybody puts. Everybody in. does together. Yeah. And that could come with like, how has your sense of beauty changed? You know, because when you, when you come from a nation where people are so heavily focused on how light you are, how much hair you have, how tall you are, how beautiful you are. You know, Bollywood, for example, highlights a lot of those, highlights a lot of what society stands for. So, you know, how do you, how do you cope with that? Is there coping involved? There is a lot of coping involved and sometimes it's avoidance. Like I took baby steps, you know, I started integrating some of my old closet. I had to buy a lot of new things as well because they didn't fit with what I wanted to look like, right? And that's okay, right? Like you can look the, like you, you wanna dress a certain way that flatters you. Mm-hmm. And when you have hair and when you don't have hair, different things will flatter you. And some of my old clothes I have had to get rid of and I've had to purchase new things. So I, what I've tried to be doing is let's purchase a couple of new things that I maybe might not have worn and some things that I would have worn. Let's try on all those pieces and see what I like and see what I don't. Right. And just being able to be like, okay, I don't have to look the same. I don't have to wear the same pieces. And I think we are privileged in that way to say like, um, let me buy a new outfit or, you know, let me change my whole wardrobe. I can, I do acknowledge that there's a certain privilege there. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have to stick to wearing the same clothes. And even if 
you know, getting a whole new wardrobe is not something that you can do. You can always borrow things or change them up on your own, which I've done as well, right? Yeah. Like take a top and let's change the way I dress it up um, so that I feel better when I'm wearing it. Yeah, and at the heart of that is just you were trying to find what works best for you. And, and that's what it is, right? You can't hold yourself captive to the image that you had of yourself in the past. Don't let your, you know, who you thought you were. And you even mentioned earlier that when I was in high school, I looked back and I was like, oh, these photos are great, but I remember the mindset that I was in. And so even though I look like that, I would never want to be that again. Yeah, being okay with that change happening. Mm -hmm. That's always going to happen. Exactly. It's, it's a fact of life that things are going to change and we're not static. Yeah. And there's no point trying to recreate that, that look. You can recreate the sentiment. That's completely fine. Yes. But don't try to recreate the whole look and be the exact same person that you are. Cause you're kind of insulting yourself. You're like, I've grown this much. Let me go back to like that version. Yeah. That's it's like you upgraded to the 3.0 and you're going back to the 1.0 <laughs> version of yourself. Right. That's a really nice way of putting it. Like why, why put yourself back to what you worked so hard to come out of? Yeah. And so it's just being able to be okay with that is hard too. I mean, I compare myself to what I used to look like previously all the time. Mm -hmm. And something I still do, like, again, right? Like I said, being confident isn't a trophy. Yes. So it's evolving. And sometimes when it's not evolving, <laughs> and you start thinking, hey, I want to look like what I looked like in first year university in that outfit. And you try to wear the same outfit. It's not going to look the same anymore, buddy. You're bald. <laughs> right? Like you got to look at yourself in the mirror and be real. Yeah, you might have put on some weight, you might have lost some weight, you might have, I don't know, the color doesn't look good on you anymore. There could be, your perception of that color has changed. Like there could be so many things that you can't just hoard on to that. That yeah. As we near the end of our, our podcast, and then this is a perfect time to ask you, um, if you could go back in time and tell your 18 year old self something, what would you say? Oh, so many things. <laughs> Um, but I think I would just say, like, stop trying to make other people comfortable, like, just stop at all, like, completely, right? It's, it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for them. You're letting them believe that you're always okay when you're not, right? And letting people believe that sometimes when they realize how, what you actually are like and that things aren't okay, they're not around. They don't want to be around anymore because they're like, you were always okay for the past eight years I've known you. And now all of a sudden you're not okay. And I don't know how to deal with that because I, I thought I knew who you were and you're not that person. Right. So it could end up harming you. It could end up harming them. Whoever it ends up harming, we only care about ourselves right now. And in this case, I would say, stop trying to make other people comfortable. And there's always going to be somebody who has a problem. Like you said, with the peaches, like somebody could be the sweetest, ripest peach ever. And there's always going to be a person who doesn't like peaches at all. Right. And so just be comfortable with, you know, who I am and who you are and, that sometimes those two things can't match up, right? You're not always gonna be besties with everybody in the world. And that's, that's true, right? Like not everybody's gonna like you and not everybody's gonna want to like you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And let them not like you and you can find, you can go around and find like-minded people. Like for me, being bald is like a filter. Like if somebody's already off put by me being bald, like they don't need to be in my life, right? But not everybody has that filter, right? This is a visible filter, but create an invisible filter for yourself in your brain. Like, is that person reacting or reciprocating to me as I would to them? And if it's not, the, like if it doesn't match up, then you know, you need to move on. Because everybody comes with their own set of ideas and expectations and conditionings and life and whatever it is. And 
you know, you, you just can't match up to the same filters. You will have different filters than your parents. Your parents will have different filters. Your siblings will have different filters. And it's just, like you said, it's being comfortable with who you are and the change that comes along with who you are. Let's not try to people please all the time. You know, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's necessary, but when it's not necessary, let's not force ourselves. Yeah, let's not, let's not force ourselves to push things when we're not really ready to. Cause yeah. I mean, like you did, right? You, you tried to put on that wig and it just didn't feel right. And so, you know, why push through something that inherently feels wrong to you? Like your body is, like I said, very primal. It'll still think of not feeling good or feeling anxious as a threat. And so take it for that and, and, and don't push past more than you need to. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me on what was an amazing conversation. I am so excited for people to listen to this. And I really, really appreciate you being a part of this journey. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Honestly, if even one person can relate or learn from what I've been through, I think that's like a good victory for me. Thank you.